down, down to the wire Get your hopes up way too high Living's in the to the first uh, of two uh, James Bond films starring Timothy Dalton. This week we're talking about The Living Daylights. And what did you think? Well, here, let's get the cat out of the way. Um, what did I think? This one I had a hard time following. Uh-huh. The only thing I know about it is there was a girl with the cello. Uh-huh. And I sat and watched the whole thing and I just it just did not grab me. I kept my mind kept wandering and I kept trying to find something else to do while I was watching it. And then I tried to put myself back in it, but this one was a hard one for me. I okay. just didn't get it. That's all right. Uh, I would dare say out of the original James Bond films, uh, this is my favorite. And I, I'm learning when it comes to James Bond films, like final fantasy video games, uh, your first, uh, that you watch all the way through, the first that you play mm -hmm. all the way through is your favorite. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this one, this one's my favorite. Yeah, and it's probably the one I've seen the most because it is your favorite, so you've seen yeah. it, but I don't think I've ever sat down. I don't think I've ever seen it from beginning to end like I did 
on Saturday. But yeah, it's just, uh, it got me just as good then as it did the other times. <laughs> That's all right. So this originally, a little history on this film, this originally was supposed to star Pierce Brosnan. Oh, really? So Pierce Brosnan, uh, his wife uh, was the Countess Von Liesel, uh appeared in For Your Eyes Only, uh, where she dies brutally. Um, and they, the producers met Pierce Brosnan at the time. They really liked him. And they were like, hey, this is a potential successor when Roger Moore steps down. So Roger Moore leaves after a view to a kill. And they're like, hey, we've talked to Pierce Brosnan. We really like this guy. He's charming. He's British. It, it'd be perfect. Uh, his show, uh, Remington Steel, is all but confirmed to be canceled. We've, we've got him. And so they literally set up the James Bond press conference uh, to occur the afternoon. Uh, I want to say it's the the afternoon after uh, his contract expires on Remington Steel. They have until, I want to say, 12 o'clock uh, on a certain day to say, hey, we're picking you up for another season. Uh, and then he's released to go do whatever else he wants. So he's in the hotel room. They're ready to go. They're putting on their coats. They're like, all right, let's go celebrate. 1159, the phone rings. Oh no. It's NBC. They're like, all right, we picked you up for another season. (laughs) And he's like, okay. And so, uh, they go with their first, uh, uh, they go with their first, alternate which is timothy dalton uh timothy dalton had actually been considered back in the 1960s uh for the role of james bond but he and the producers agreed he was just a hair too young at the time so almost 20 years later he is up for the role and so we get the film uh that we watched this week which in my mind is everything I want in a James Bond film in a serious James Bond film, I should say. Uh, and it has just enough of the charm and camp, uh, to entertain me while also having a semi grounded spy story. And so this one's always been a favorite. Um, I I can say objectively, it's not the best James Bond movie, but it is my favorite. Okay. I get that. So uh, with that said, we're going to get right into it. Uh, We've got a visitor coming at some point, so we'll break when that happens. But uh, we'll go ahead and start. And immediately we get a new gun barrel sequence with Timothy Dalton looking fresh uh, in his tux. And we start off the film uh, panning out of the Rock of Gibraltar. Uh, I don't know much about Gibraltar. You'll hear keys clacking in the background. That's just me looking up uh, Gibraltar to have a little bit of uh, background. Uh, Gibraltar is a British overseas territory located at the southern tip of the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, And if that tells you nothing, that's okay, because it tells me nothing. Um, (laughs) So just pulling this up uh, in Wikipedia, because that is the the authority for all things knowledge-based. Um, Gibraltar, just looking, is just south of Spain, 
just looking yeah. at uh, just north of Africa. So the, the pictures on the or the, the movie is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I would so absolutely gorgeous. love to visit some some point. Uh, Spain is on my list of places to go, along with the rest of the globe. Uh, honestly, anywhere right now sounds great, but we are in the U.S. Yeah. and uh, due to uh, circumstances that were come to find out entirely uh, foreseen, um, we are. <laughs> Uh, on lockdown from a vast majority of the globe. Yeah. Um, so able to move freely uh, within our state and within most states, but uh, outside the country, it's it's kind of a no-go. Yeah. Uh, so we immediately get M's office inside a flying fortress. And again, MI6 has to be the most inefficient <laughs> organization in Great Britain, uh, just transporting their... Uh, their head chief officer's office, just wherever. It's like, yes, I'll take the Schiffer robe in inside the submarine. <laughs> Sir, you know that this thing's only got a clearance of like five foot eight. Well, we'll, we'll at least take the, the rolling desk. <laughs> and every time, it, the worst part is they're inside the back of a C-130, I believe, Flying Fortress, and he's got loose papers on his desk. <laughs> Uh, anyhow, we have the briefing. We have three men, uh, agents who are on this briefing, and they were deliberately chosen because uh, from behind, in profile, they kind of look like the different actors who've played James Bond up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, you've got one that kind of uh, resembles more from the background, one that kind of represents Lazenby uh, or Connery, and then you've got Dalton, and all three of them are shot from the rear. We don't see uh, Dalton's face for a couple minutes. Uh, and it builds tension, especially as the three agents skydive into Gibraltar, a sinister man watches that looks just like Patrick McNee. It's not Patrick McNee, but he looks identical to him. Should I know who that is? Okay, do you remember The Prisoner, uh, the show where the British secret agent is kidnapped to a mm -hmm. secret island? And all sorts of weird stuff happens to him. Yes. And he's always trying to figure out who number one is. Yes. Yes. That's Patrick McNee. Okay. Uh, so this sinister uh, agent uh, looks just like Patrick McNee. Uh, any of you who disagree with me, it's fine. I'm stupid and American. <laughs> um, but uh, right off the bat, we know that this isn't too serious of... Uh, an operation because one agent gets shot with paintballs and just looks so disappointed. Um, <laughs> and then a soldier uh, comes up and shoots the sinister man uh, with paintballs. And uh, he is just mercilessly murdered um, right before he cuts the rope on the agent climbing up uh, the cliff face. And I just have to ask, in the time that you saw this guy slowly, methodically grabbing the rope, maybe you could have found a foothold or a handhold <laughs> or really anything other than leaning back and screaming no. <laughs> um, but anyway, as we've discovered throughout these uh, Bond films, any double O agent who's not Bond is terrible and is likely going to die. Um, and we are given a, actually a really good... Uh, close up almost a smash zoom of Timothy Dalton as Bond uh, 
as far as uh, initial entrances go for a bond, uh, might be second only to Connery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connery's intro of the closing the cigarette case and Bond, James Bond, is iconic. Yeah. Uh, even though he's not my favorite Bond, that's the most iconic entry for for an actor playing the role. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Dalton's, though, is just, it's so quick. It's so dramatic. It really works for me. Yeah. So uh, the villain who just doesn't do subtle at this point, just murders another guy before jumping into a, a Jeep filled with fireworks, gasoline, and cigarettes. Um, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> full of explosives. Um, takes off. Bond does what Bond does and jumps onto the back of the Jeep. Uh, and we get a really good car chase throughout Gibraltar. Um uh, where it's just full of soldiers, tourists, and monkeys, which doesn't seem like they would they would mix as a whole, but surprisingly, it looks like a really relaxing vacation for the vacationers, and the soldiers don't seem to mind, uh, you know, other than the getting murdered by uh, <laughs> Russian agents. Anyhow, uh, Bond steers the Jeep over the edge of a cliff and pulls his, par- his, uh, his backup chute, is able to parachute out of the back of the exploding Jeep that's been shot up by soldiers. Uh, and it's the bad guy's turn to scream as he is blown into smithereens. Um, in the explosion, Bond's parachute gets torched, and so he guides it over to a yacht out in the middle of the ocean, uh, and he lands uh, where a woman sunbathing is complaining to her friend Margot about all of the all the guys around are just, they're just tennis pros and playboys. <laughs> and when's she going to meet a real man? And on cue, Timothy Dalton yeah. just drops in out of the sky. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he steals her phone and uh, says, she'll call you back and throws away the line. Bond, James Bond, when she asks, who are you? Uh, he intentionally did that. Every other Bond actor up to this point had made a point of, in gravitas or uh, kind of charming to the camera, Bond, James Bond, Timothy Dalton wanted to throw it away. And he did. And uh, I think it could have worked better, but it, it works. It works for the scene, for who his Bond is going to be. Um, and she, of course, asks for him to join her. And we cut to our title sequence with Aha and The Living Daylights. And uh, somehow it is slightly more eighties than last week's song. Yeah. And, uh, I gotta be honest, I'm here for it. Yeah. It was definitely a much different intro than oh, that's, the others. So this is, this is, uh, aha's follow up to, uh, I'll be gone or in a day or two, depending on how you remember that song title. Um, and, they're one of those bands that didn't have a, a ton of hits for the wider listening public. Um, but this was their follow-up to that uh, number one hit. Uh, John Barry apparently didn't get along too well with the band, and it was mutual. Uh, I've heard that he was kind of a curmudgeon. But this is his last Bond score. Uh, the next Bond score will be done by uh, Michael Kamen. Uh, the score after that is done by, I think it's Eric Serra bef- 
or David Arnold takes on like four or five straight Bond films. Hmm. But this is the last John Barry score. And it's just, I love the, the theming in this. It, it somehow plays with the classical instrumentation along with synthesizers. And I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm wistful for these old Bond scores. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoy it. We come back from our title sequence to the Philharmonic in Czechoslovakia. Uh, Bond's mission is to help Koskov, a Russian general, defect from the Soviet Union. Uh, Bond and fellow agent Saunders uh, are covering Koskov's escape from a sniper who is there to stop Koskov from escaping. Uh, as they are getting into position and all dolled up by turning their uh, tuxedos into sniper coats, uh, <laughs> Bond spots that the sniper is none other than the beautiful cellist from the Philharmonic. Uh, and Bond does what Bond's going to do. And he shoots her rifle instead of shooting her. And Saunders is just kind of fussy about it. He's like, you missed deliberately. Uh, he was really hoping to see someone die. Um, I mean, he's been at a desk job. He's heard all about all the <laughs> sex and danger, and he's just... He wanted to be part of it. He is really bummed. But, he was definitely very whiny about that. <laughs> oh, he was so whiny and British. Anyhow, uh, Bond drives Koskov off to Rosie at the Soviet natural gas pipeline. Uh, Koskov is put in a modified pipe cleaner called the Pig. Uh, <laughs> Rosie, uh, in quotes, distracts her supervisor. Uh, by making him motorboater. Uh, <laughs> and uh, for the longest time, I thought that was what sex was. Just girl shows you just enough cleavage and you're just, you're in there. And that's, that's what sex is. Wow. And <laughs> Hey, I learned yeah. eventually, but I, that's, that's just for, for a young man uh, discovering what sex is. That was, that's that's what it was, but um, I grew up and learned differently. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, on the other other side of the pipeline, Q and his uh, crew, uh, they didn't bring the whole Q branch with them, but uh, they've arrived and they are loading Koskoff into a Harrier jet that takes off out of Austria. Uh, Bond is cleared at the border uh, with Saunders as the jet flies away. Uh, and this could have easily been a cold open, but uh, it it works really well on its own as a setup. Uh, I believe this is the original short story, very close to the original short story by Ian Fleming, mm -hmm. uh, is about Bond taking on this sniper, hunting this defector. Yeah. Um, the rest of the story is an embellishment on that, but that opening sequence was the short story that inspired the rest of the movie. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will continue Bond's hunt for the sniper. All right. We are back. Uh, as we return to the movie, uh, Bond is back in MI6, which is looking very 1980s with the uh, ceiling <laughs> tiles and uh, 
the fluorescent lights and lots of glass everywhere. It looks like a police station right out of the 1980s. Um, Bond is having, I guess, the MI6 version of mugshots shown for operatives <laughs> and assassins. Uh, the lady that's shown on the screen uh, is known for strangulation with her hands and thighs, uh, oh, which is interesting I, because I uh, a similar form of uh, murder will come about in two movies. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that more when we get there. Anyhow, uh, we also meet our new money penny in this film for a younger Bond, uh, Miss Carolyn Bliss, who will be with us just as long as Timothy Dalton. All right. Uh, so for this film and the next one. Anyhow, uh, at this point, we also see Q's new gadget, the Ghetto Blaster, uh, which is a fun little piece of the 1980s, uh, being a nice big uh, shoulder-mounted uh, stereo system. Right. <laughs> that cracked me up. Yeah, I think Boombox would have worked as well. Yeah. Anyhow, uh <laughs> We head over to the British countryside. We see a bad guy who's nameless at this time, Strangle a Milkman. Uh, from now until we get a name for him, we're going to call him Milkman. Uh, <laughs> undercover, he approaches the MI6 safe house where Bond has gone to drop off uh, supplies. I'll put in quotes uh, for <laughs> Koskov. Uh, it's a very large picnic basket full of goodies and pulled, including some Bollinger cap. Uh, Bollinger, ugh, pardon me, champagne <laughs> and some caviar. We're, we're talking probably in the modern day about 10 grand worth of goodies in a picnic <laughs> basket. And the look on M's face when he reads the receipt is uh -huh. just sheer horror. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, anyhow, uh, at this point, uh, Koskoff just starts squealing like, he is the biggest snitch uh, talking about intelligence on Pushkin. Who's another Russian general. Uh, and it's determined that Pushkin is just gone off the deep end. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Bond leaves the milkman decides to strangle the cook, uh, an agent and him fight in the kitchen. And we just get a brutal fight, really good fight. Uh, ironically, probably the best fist fight in this film. And it is not between bond and, uh, the bad guy. It is actually bond. Uh, it is another British agent who holds his own against the milkman. Yeah. Uh, getting his face scorched on a very interesting gas grill. Yeah. That hurt me. Uh, I think it hurt him too. <laughs> But anyhow, the bad guy is actually really clever. He is more subtle than James Bond. He calls in over the radio that there's a gas leak and then starts throwing these milk grenades. And he throws them into areas that it, when everybody leaves, it's like, oh, no, we've got a gas explosion. This seriously, yeah. it's a big deal. I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is brilliant. Bond is never this subtle. Right. And... Uh, I really enjoy this this character. He gets a name a little later, and I've got it written down then. But for right now, we'll just call him Milkman. Um, but I love this character because he's very similar to Red Grant from uh, from Russia with Love, uh, the anti James Bond uh, okay. from that film. I know that you have trouble remembering names, yes. movies, plots. Yeah, so I don't quite remember who you're talking about because it's been a while. But yeah, 
It's all right. Anyhow, uh, during all of this, Koskov is recaptured and evacuated on an ambulance chopper. Uh, and we find out uh, that the tag Smirch Spionum has been dropped. Uh, Smirch Spionum meaning death to spies. Uh, a kill order is given by the British government through M uh, for Pushkin. Uh, Bond reluctantly accepts, knowing that if anyone else is given this order, Pushkin is going to be killed without question. Bond has some questions that he wants answered before the deed is done. Uh Bond gets his gadgets for this film, which are the Aston Martin, which is glorious. Easily my favorite uh, Bond car. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a convertible, but they put a hard top on it yeah. for for all the scenes that will take place uh, in the Soviet Union. Uh, and it has loads of gadgets, and he's given a keychain uh, that is filled with uh, like a nerve gas, and it also has a plastic explosive. Uh, at the same time that Bond is given all of his gadgets, we find out that the cellist that Bond is looking for is named Kara Milovi. Uh, come to find out that she is hyper-talented and is being closely watched by the KGB. Yeah. We head over to the Eastern Bloc, where we find out that Kara is being picked up by the KGB for questioning, including uh, the KGB include... General Pushkin, uh, who personally has some questions for Miss Malovi. Uh, in all the hustle and bustle, she forgets her cello case, so Bond uh, not so subtly lifts it and goes to uh, lovely uh, Eastern European bathrooms that I wish we could get right in America. <laughs> we are in 21st century America, and our toilet stalls are not as good as Eastern European 1980s toilet <laughs> stalls. If I look at the edge of a toilet stall and you're walking by, we'll make eye contact in America. Yeah. These, they actually have closing doors. No, it doesn't <laughs> go all the way to the ground or all the way to the ceiling. But That's not that half inch to an inch uh, slot in between the. Yeah, we could pass each other King James Bibles through yeah. the slots and <laughs> in, in our. In our bathroom, it, it's awful, yeah. and I want to complain to everyone. <laughs> but anyway, that's enough about America. We stink, anyhow. Um, <laughs> inside the gun, uh, inside the the cello case, is the damaged rifle from uh, the defection, uh, loaded with blanks. And at this point, Bond is putting two and two together and realizes maybe she doesn't play the cello. Um, <laughs> No, he's figuring out that there's more to this defection than met the eye. Afterward, Bond meets Kara at her tossed flat, uh, finding out that she is Koskoff's girlfriend. Bond poses as a close friend, knowing that more information is to be had, and he will not get it by confronting her with the truth. Uh, Bond and Kara fool the KGB agent with the worst possible disguise of an overcoat over a cello case. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, they get approximately a half mile down the road before they remember that she actually still wants her cello. Bond puts up approximately mm, half a second worth of fight before going back <laughs> for the cello. Uh, and the KGB figure things out still after they've come back and gotten the cello because 
they're the worst. We can say that the Soviet Union KGB is just awful. They are almost as bad as MI6. Uh, anyhow, at this point, we get a car chase. Bond is using the scan on his radio, and he picks up the police band for the local uh, military and police. Uh, and this is one of the best Bond car chases in, uh, in film thus far. Yeah. Uh, we get lasers used on the car rims. We get uh, missiles used on a large semi-trailer. Uh, whenever his tire gets blown out, Bond cuts the ice with the rim on his car, sinking uh, the uh, Soviet car that just conveniently drives right into the right spot. Uh, then he puts out an outriggers and spikes so that he can drive cross country. And then after they are blown off of the road into a position where they can't continue, he uses self-destruct to get away. They get away on Kara's cello case. The cello gets a bullet hole, uh, but it'll still play just fine later. Trust me on that. Uh, and they escape into, uh, let's see here, Vienna, Austria. In the meantime, in Tangier, uh, Pushkin has, it seems, is under surveillance by someone who we'll find out a little later. And he is going to meet with Brad Whitaker, played by Joe Don Baker of Mystery Science Theater fame. Uh, literally cross-reference the two of those, and you will have a good time. <laughs> it is a uh, it is a good watch for you, and uh, Joe Don Baker does not appreciate it one bit. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, Brad Whitaker is a military enthusiast. Uh, he has wax figures that are all of himself in various historical military garbs. They were kind of creepy looking. Well, Joe Don Baker is just like yeah. a just. Uh, I believe I heard one commentator refer to him as just a big baby, just yeah, a giant I, baby man. I see that. Uh, but anyhow, uh, Pushkin is not impressed. He wants a refund. Uh, Whitaker has paid for all of these weapons, supposedly, even though he hasn't. Uh, Pushkin knows that the money hasn't moved, uh, and. Uh, we, we get the general feeling that Pushkin doesn't like Whitaker. And I got to be honest, it's, uh, I share that feeling. Uh, we then move over to Vienna, Austria, and my notes here say I really want to go to Vienna. Uh, but again, America on lockdown, rest of the world, kind of okay, U.S. in the pooper. Um, <laughs> at this point, uh, Bond and Kara check into, again, the nicest hotel, and again, I'm thinking about a career move over to MI6. Uh, I don't think they would take me because, again, America and the pooper. But uh, if they're uh, if they're hiring, I am interested. Uh, Koskoff and the Milkman, uh, that we find out his name is Necros, uh, are working with Whitaker. And uh, Koskoff is apparently just having a good time at a pool party. And uh, Necros, man, European swimwear is just... <laughs> I wish I was that confident because, man, there is no way I could get in the best shape of my life, and there is no way that you would catch me in a banana hammock. I just, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. There is too much of me to love and too little swimsuit to cover me, and just, it is not going to happen. Anyhow, I apologize for the mental pictures for those of you who have met me. 
for those of you who, ha who have not met me, imagine Daniel Craig, but handsomer, and you've got me. <laughs> uh, don't laugh. Anyhow, Bond and Kara attend the opera because Bond's made of money. Uh, and across the way, Saunders flags Bond at intermission. And it's really, it's really good that Bond is looking around at everything but the opera. Because I, I can imagine that uh, Saunders just like kept raising that envelope. And someone around him was like, hey, hey, <laughs> stop. This isn't an auction. Stop it. Um, anyhow, uh, they track... Uh, Koskoff via the Stradivarius that uh, is owned by Kara. Uh, they figure out that somehow uh, all of this is connected. And again, without saying it, they follow the old motto, follow the money and it will lead you where you need to go. Uh, I'm not sure that's how that statement goes, but <laughs> I butchered it as with the rest of this podcast. Uh, Bond and Kara have a carnival day. It just, the cutest carnival and yeah. i'm like man i miss when you could do things in public without a mask <laughs> uh they make out on a ferris wheel uh asked uh very upfront by the man at the bottom when they're done would you like another ride and bond's like yes yes i would uh bond meets saunders at a cafe again miss going out in public uh and uh, Necros blows up the automatic door, killing Saunders in just a shocking scene, right as Saunders was becoming less of an annoying just jerk. And he was finally coming around to, hey, Bond knows what he's doing. You know what? I'm along for the ride. I don't have to be the star agent. And then he gets killed because he's a double O agent who is not James Bond. Yeah. Um, but all this happens right after Saunders gives Bond the right clue of where they need to go. Uh, Bond was already told to go after uh, Pushkin in Tangier, and Tangier is where the clues lead to Brad Whitaker. Uh, Bond chases the balloons uh, after getting a, the message of smeared spionum on a balloon, uh, frightening a young family with his gun uh, and not being harassed at all. It's almost like being in America. <laughs> uh, and at this point, Bond tells Carr that they need to leave immediately for Tangier. In Tangier, Bond tracks Pushkin. Uh, Bond interrogates him at his hotel where he's meeting either his wife or his mistress. Uh, it might just be his wife that he pretends is his mistress. They just, they like to keep things spicy. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, Bond knocks out Pushkin's security, holds him at gunpoint and tells him, hey, uh, as long as you're alive, I can't track this down. And so Pushkin even agrees with him, then I must die. Uh, at this point, we learn that Koskoff has been invest investigated for embezzlement. The next day, Pushkin is standing up at a podium and is shot multiple times in the chest by Bond uh, right before Necros can do it. Uh, rooftop chase ensues. Uh, we get a lot of fun chase scenes that, uh, if they look familiar to you, it's because it's the same areas as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Uh, except this time, uh, the producers didn't have to remove all the yeah. television antennas because it's in the modern day. Uh, Bond is picked up by two women in a convertible, uh, asking him if he wants to party. 
Uh, he thinks they're just hookers, but come to find out they're American agents, also hookers. Uh, <laughs> they hold him at good gunpoint, and we find out that Felix Leiter, uh, the newest Felix Leiter, played by the gentleman who played uh, Christian Shepard on Lost, uh, is watching the arms deal. And he is just the most laid back Felix we've ever met. He is yeah. just chilling out on a boat. He's just, he's having a coffee. He's, he's going out on the deck for a smoke break, <laughs> you know, paying off hookers. He's just, he's having a good time. Uh, it, it was the 1980s guys. Everybody was doing it. <laughs> uh, Bond returns to Kara at their hotel and she drugs him uh, because uh, apparently she got a hold of her boyfriend and her boyfriend is, uh, he's kind of a jerk. Uh, Koskoff and Necros take both Bond and Kara uh, to Afghanistan. As soon as they get off the plane, Koskoff turns in Bond uh, for the assassination, assassination of Pushkin uh, and immediately turns in Kara as an accomplice. And she, uh, at this point, when she easily could have seen it before, discovers her boyfriend is a douchebag. Uh, they are sent to a horrible Soviet prison where they are just as racist against Muslims as Americans are. And uh, they meet a man named Cameron uh, and they escape using the nerve agent in Bond's keychain. Uh, come to find out this thing gets uh, more than one use even though it's very, very tiny. Yeah. Uh, they escape, and uh turns out that Cameron is actually Osama bin Laden. No, he's yeah. not. He's Cameron <laughs> Shaw. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, at this time in uh, political history, uh, we and our Western allies viewed the Soviet Union as the big bad. And anyone who was against uh, the Soviet Union was the good guy. And so we teamed up with the Afghan rebels and they formed such great organizations as Al-Qaeda, down with the Soviets, <laughs> up with Al-Qaeda. That's not going to bite us in about 20 years. Yeah. So uh, all of this happens. Um, and this is not the only movie that glorified this. Um, at the same time, uh, Rambo 3 did roughly the same uh plot in going in and helping out the, out the Afghanis. Um, uh, ironically, uh, what our small town is most known for being the mule capital of the world, we exported a great number of mules to assist the, assist the Afghanis during this conflict wow. right here from Columbia, Tennessee. Yes, that is true. We helped the rebels. USA! <laughs> USA! Yeah, we're wonderful. We're just the most patriotic dumb guys. Anyhow, I lost my place because I was being overly critical of everyone. <laughs> ah, here we go. Uh, so Bond and Kara uh, make nice with Al-Qaeda. Um, that's what I'm going to call them because I don't want to butcher the, uh, the actual name, even though me saying Al-Qaeda is probably butchering a name. Uh, at dawn, they ride to meet with the Soviets. Uh, Koskov is using the down payment that Pushkin made to buy opium. He's going to sell it at a profit, and then he'll still be able to buy the arms that will supply the Russians. And 
uh, were like, hey, this Koskoff guy, he may be a jerk, but man, he's got some business sense. Maybe he'll open some hotels and casino and run for president of the United States. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, Bond plants an explosive on the opium shipment. The shipment is put on a plane and... At this point, Bond just takes the wrong door and is seen by Koskoff, and all hell breaks loose. We get a big action scene. Al-Qaeda attacks while Bond pilots the plane away. And at this point, we are going to take a break. Before we finish the last bit of the movie, we will be right back. All right, and we're back in the middle of the second biggest Afghani firefight with Soviets after John Rambo <laughs> commandeered a tank and explosive bows and arrows and destroyed half of the Soviet Union in a single fight, cleaning up after Rocky just single-handedly took down communism in Rocky IV. America, we're ready. We're in. Yeah, the British did it. It's okay. We... We didn't do anything. We just took all the credit. We're really good at that. Anyhow, uh, it is a full-on firefight between the Afghans and the Soviets. Uh, it's uh, just gunfights, explosions everywhere. If you're in a vehicle that has gasoline, it is going to explode at some point in this film. Uh, we've got fuel tankers being blown up with grenades. We've got guys who are spontaneously combusting just because they <laughs> looked at gasoline. Just chaos everywhere. Just you're going to explode or the guy next to you is going to explode yeah. if you're wearing a Soviet uniform. If you're wearing a, uh, if you're wearing Middle Eastern garb, uh, designated good guy areas only. A shoulder, a hand. Um, if your name is just your first name or just your last name. I'm sorry you're expendable, but uh, <laughs> anyone else you you will you will survive with minor wounds. Anyhow, uh, both Kara and Koskov see Bond uh, making his escape in the large carrier plane and give chase in Jeeps. Kara drives into the cargo hold uh, after being uh, kind of silently mansplained by Bond through the windshield. Uh, Bond takes off uh, as another plane, plane is landing, which uh, hits Koskov, and uh, he should be totally dead, but he survives. <laughs> uh, rumor is that uh, originally that was where he died, but they felt he needed a better end. Um, anyhow... In flight, uh, Bond decides that he's going to disable the bomb because, hey, we've got control of this stuff. We might as well sell it in America because uh, they're potheads or they uh, they like their drugs. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, as he's going back to deal with the explosive, uh, Necros jumps on Bond and they just start wrestling and they fall out of the back of the plane and just just make me really just nervous the whole time fighting in the back of an open plane, just hanging on to nets. And I think about the times I've tried to climb nets that are stationary, hanging over water. And I just, I, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. <laughs> uh, in the end, Bond uh, tricks Necros into grabbing onto his foot because he just, that's where Necros figured he could hang on to. And yeah. Bond cuts off his shoe. <laughs> uh, 
and a moment later we'll tell uh Kara that he got the boot um <laughs> bond turns off the bomb only to have to turn the bomb back on in a minute uh to help the afghans blow up the bridge that the soviets are using to pursue them uh bond and Kara drop out of the plane because they were shot up and are losing gas and they uh parachute out of the back of the plane just in time to see the plane explode and all is good. This movie's over. We're going to ride off into the sunset. Except, no, this movie <laughs> has another ending. It has almost as many endings as Return of the King, uh, but more entertaining. And uh, less Hobbits. Although both movies do star John Rhys Davies. Huh. Okay. Yeah, Gimli. Gimli. Gimli the dwarf uh-huh. is uh, Pushkin. Nice. I did not know that. Considerably taller in this film. Yes. Anyhow, uh, Bond uh, goes to take on Whitaker. Uh, he kills him uh, with his with a statue of Lord Wellington, I believe, <laughs> who was instrumental at the Battle of Waterloo. Uh, and at this point, he's about to be shot when Pushkin takes out the gunman with his own submachine gun. Koskov comes in and just starts kissing butt. Just Oh, oh, I'm so glad to see you're alive. I've been held I've been held captive for weeks. And he gives Bond this look like, oh, you're not gonna wrap me out, are you? I know I tried to kill you, but that was just that was just business, man. <laughs> it was just business. And Pushkin just plays it cool. I mean, just cool. He's like, Georgi, Georg, it, it's all right, man. We're going to put you on the first plane to Moscow. And he's like, oh, thank you, thank you. And he goes, in a diplomatic bag. Yeah. And he suddenly realizes that uh, it's not going to be first class. He's been found out. Yep. And uh, the, uh, the fat lady has sung, which transitions us over to Vienna as we are back at the Philharmonic and... I'll tell you what, I didn't know that it was possible for a bullet hole to make a cello sound better, but I'll be, it does, <laughs> it good. does. I'll tell you what, those of you right now, I know you've spent thousands of dollars on that cello on upkeep. You need to take it out back, call your cousin Randall, shoot it once, just once. <laughs> Any more than that's overkill, but just once, best sounding cello ever. <laughs> and, a scientific and, fact. It's, and it's not me telling you this it's the producers of james bond little gaff tape good as new you're just fine anyhow yeah. uh, a note to those of you listening if you do have a chill please don't do that <laughs> or my disclaimer or if you do please send me pictures <laughs> yeah anyhow uh car does just a fantastic job at this cello philharmonic uh we find that General Gogol from the Soviet Union is there and he has extended an olive branch saying, hey, it's okay. You have a free visa to come and go as you please until our Secret Service come and kill you uh, from the Soviet Union. Uh, uh, Cameron and the Afghans show up. Uh, they show up with bandoliers full of bullets, which is odd. And they're like, I'm sorry, we had some trouble at the airport, which is still a funny joke. Um, and uh, Kara is just disappointed that James didn't make it to the performance, goes back to her dressing room and sees two vodka martinis waiting there. And she whistles 
and James keychain beeps at her and she runs over and accidentally whistles the wrong thing and blows them both up. <laughs> no, that's not how it ends. They fall out of, they fall out of frame and she sighs. Oh, James. And we get a weird love theme for this film. Uh, <laughs> But it's fine. This is still my favorite James Bond movie of the classic Bond movies up through Die Another Day. And uh, it's a lot of fun. This one is one that on a Saturday afternoon, if I don't have something else that I'm going to watch, this is this is my safety. Mm -hmm. This is this is a whoopee of <laughs> of just sheer entertainment. I'm just going to wrap myself up. I'm going to have some popcorn and a Diet Coke. Yeah. And I'm just going to watch Timothy Dalton just be handsome and just kill people. <laughs> I would say for me, a Saturday like that would probably be... The best sleep you ever got. Pride and Prejudice or Anna Green Gables, depending on... Like, Anna Green Gables is like a six The best sleep I ever got. Yeah. <laughs> So this one was fun. Uh, I'm in hindsight, as much as I enjoyed this one, I'm not looking forward to next week. I'm also not dreading it. Okay. Uh, I don't believe I've ever seen license to kill from beginning to end. Oh. Um, mainly I've seen, I think I've seen the whole movie in pieces. I've never seen the whole thing. Um, it It's one that's, we've talked about before the James Bond films can easily become products of their era. The next movie feels like a response to lethal weapon, die hard. Uh, a lot of the action movies of the era, it's more violent. It's mm -hmm. more about the drug trade. It, it feels like a cop movie rather than a bond movie. Um, but there, there are things in it as in all bond movies that are enjoyable. Yeah. So I look forward to it. I look forward to talking about that. Um, I am sad that Timothy Dalton did not get more than two films. Uh, I'll go ahead and talk about it now. So uh, the next film we're going to talk about next week, License to Kill, lost uh, the most amount of money of any James Bond film to date. Um, and they, after that, uh, they were... Uh, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do next. They had an idea. They were going to do a Bond film that took place in Hong Kong. Well, right around this time, the lawsuits surrounding James Bond flare up. Sony is wanting to do a rival James Bond franchise. And so they have to go into this entire series of court battles. While this happens, time ticks on and on and on. And at a certain point, Timothy Dalton goes to the producers and is like, I need to be able to go do other things. Yeah. And they release. Him. And uh, it's at that point that Pierce Brosnan in the full circle of the story we said at the beginning of this uh, podcast is able to take the role of James Bond and makes it famous over four films, starting with Goldeneye. Uh, and we'll get to that in about two weeks. But for this week, this was a really enjoyable one. This is that good guy versus bad guy action movie. Um, and I really like this one. This okay. this is one that I – it's the first one I saw from beginning to end. It is my favorite. I absolutely adore it. Good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> All right. So next week, guys, we are going to be talking about the very first PG-13 James Bond. Oh. 
License to Kill, starring Timothy Dalton and Robert Davi. Uh, we're going to have fun, guys. It might not be a good movie, but we're going to have a good time. I mean, we always have fun, right? Oh, uh, there is one more star. I, I neglected the biggest star of the film, Sir Wayne Newton is in this film. All right. Mr. Donkashane himself is in this nice. film. Not just in this film, but he's a bad guy. Would you believe oh, it? Oh, I would not believe that. Well, you'd be wrong. We'll see you next week. Bye.